From time immemorial, we humans have looked up at the night sky, marveling at billions of tiny specks. Settling on distant planets was once the domain of poets and dreamers. But with every leap in technology, we come closer to realizing their dreams. That's the trademark voice of German filmmaker Werner Herzog, narrating a movie about the frontiers of space settlement, a movie that's directed by his son, Rudolf Herzog. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and other billionaires dream of making humanity a multi-planet species and having millions of people living and working in space. But just how realistic is that dream? In a new documentary streaming on Discovery+, Plus, titled Last Exit Space, Rudolf Herzog and Werner Herzog do a reality check that might be a little unsettling for starry-eyed space fans. Greetings, Earthlings. I'm Alan Boyle, your host for the Fiction Science Podcast, coming to you from the place where science and technology intersect with fiction and popular culture. Join me and Rudolf Herzog, the director of Last Exit Space, as we discuss whether a technological off-ramp to the stars is the exit that we really want to take. Werner Herzog is famous for taking filmgoers to some pretty out-of-the-way places, whether it's the Alaska wilderness in Grizzly Man, the Peruvian jungle in Fitzcarraldo, or the painted prehistoric caverns that are featured in Cave of Forgotten Dreams. In that sense, Rudolf Herzog could be considered a chip off the old block. Rudolf has his own portfolio of unconventional films, including Laughing with Hitler, a documentary about humor in the Third Reich, or How to Fake a War, a feature film about a rock star who needs a phony war to hype his peace concert. Rudolf Herzog's new movie, Last Exit Space, tackles a subject that's literally out of this world, the drive to create settlements in space, including cities on the moon and on Mars, and eventually spaceships capable of making multi-generational trips to distant star systems. It's a vision that's given rise to thousands of science fiction sagas, including Star Trek, Star Wars, and The Expanse. And in recent years, entrepreneurs like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Richard Branson have been spending billions of dollars to bring that vision closer to reality. Rudolf Herzog was fascinated by that vision, but instead of featuring the billionaires, Last Exit Space throws a spotlight on the more unconventional characters in the space settlement story, ranging from the amateur rocketeers of Copenhagen suborbitals to the members of a UFO religious movement in Brazil. At the end of the film, we're left with a conclusion that echoes what Apollo 8 astronaut Bill Anders once said in an interview looking back on his mission. It was strange that we had worked and had come all the way to the moon to study the moon, he said, and what we really discovered was the Earth. During our Zoom chat, Rudolf Herzog delved into the cosmic questions and the all-too-human follies that he and Werner Herzog explore in Last Exit Space. I started out asking him whether he or his father came up with the idea for the movie. Yeah, it actually was my idea originally, um, I think prompted by one of the SpaceX uh, kind of press releases on their plans for Mars to put like cities on Mars or something. I thought, wow, you know, is that going to work? And if it would work, should we be doing it? And uh, should we be going further out even? 
So I drafted something and um, I kind of like come up with a couple of ideas every year. And then some of them I pitch and some of them I, I'm not so sure about. And I had a chat with uh, about this with my dad. So he said, like, what are you up to? And I said, I've written something over the summer, but I don't know. I don't think I'm going to pitch it. So I said what it was because he was just curious. And he was like, oh, my God, like, you must pitch this. It's like a really good idea. Yeah, don't be silly. This is like great. So from the very first uh just one pager he was like so enthusiastic about it and that was so catchy that like I ended up doing it and I thought well man if he's so enthusiastic about it he should be a part of it so I'm I'm really happy that he um he also narrated it and uh he's he's just been uh part of it as an executive producer as well with me directing and and doing the writing obviously I understand that you've worked with your father on a couple of uh, earlier film projects, but this is the first time that you've been in the director role for that kind of collaboration. And what was that like? And uh, was it a changing of the guard? Did you feel like there was a generational thing going on? Well, first of all, I think this is probably true for for anybody, you know, is that you sort of like, if you're going to work and do something with your parents, you're going to try to impress your dad or you're going to try and impress your parents. So I think that sort of like, that's important because that, I think I really went the extra mile. Some of the bits, like he was traveling with us, actually, and I thought, like, like someone like him was soon seen everything. How am I going to surprise him? Like, what am I, you know, what's going to pop out of that magic box the next day? So that make him even more excited about it. So I think I really went the extra mile, and uh, I think that's just natural. Like people want to impress their parents. As you say, I've worked with him before, so it's not like the first time. Uh, we did the White Diamond together years ago, which was a time film of the year. Um, but that's that's a long time ago. That's 15 years ago, and it was reversed. So he was directing, and um, and I was executive producing and writing. So, yeah, changing of the guards. I don't know about that. I mean, he's still so active. He's doing so much at the moment. He's just written two books. He's got two films in the pipeline. So um, I just hope for it to be more of a parallel thing rather than the changing of the guard. And I think that's what it is legitimately. So I've done a lot of films. He does a lot of films. And okay, we collaborated, but I'd rather just us being here like shoulder to shoulder and doing stuff. So that's the way I'd see it. Would you say that there's a trademark Werner Herzog style to filmmaking? And if so, uh, would you say that Last Exit Space reflects that style or does it reflect a Rudolf Herzog style? Well, I'm sure there is a signature kind of uh, thing with my dad's films and I'm probably not the best person to comment on that. But I think the same is true with my films. Uh, If one kind of looks at them, they're quite different in a way, but I think there's certain things that link them that some of them are quite funny so I like doing funny documentaries for instance so like there's all humor is always an important thing I like them to be quite edgy in a way um, I like science I like history so I think there's an overlap which is only too natural uh, you know because we're your father and son you'd expect that in a way but like I'm a different person I'm a different director I have different strengths and weaknesses I suppose and it's up to the audience to really say what they are but um I don't think my dad could have made this film the way I did it uh but vice versa I couldn't make any of his films so you'll you'll see parallels and differences um but it's easier probably for the audience to actually pinpoint what it is 
But yeah, it's 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 just a Rudolf Herzog film. So like, who who's expecting a Werner Herzog film? They might be disappointed, but it's just different, um, and I think valid. The documentary plays off some of the big developments in spaceflight. Uh, for example, the suborbital flights uh, conducted by Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin space venture, or the orbital missions flown by Elon Musk's SpaceX. But instead of talking with those billionaires, you're talking with amateur rocketeers in Denmark, a futurist in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, an anthropologist who likes to run through missile silos, a space sexologist, and UFO believers in Brazil. Why did you go with such unconventional perspectives? I don't think I've seen a space movie quite like this one. Yeah, I just uh, I just like the edgy, quirky stories. Um, I think everybody knows about Elon Musk, and everybody knows what Jeff Bezos is up to. I mean, there's, there's in the media so much, so I didn't really feel it was like necessary to like go into those things in depth. It's sort of been done. Um, I just wanted to show the incredible lengths people will go to 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 live this dream of going to space. They're literally people thinking like on intergenerational spaceships, like going to Alpha Centauri, like the next constellation. Like if you would go there, it would take 5,000 years. So you kind of think, well, that's not going to fly. But there are people out there who are trying to work their way around how that could become possible, you know, many generations. But would there be incest? You know, if you'd have like bearing children there and it was it's just a small gene pool of people on that spaceship. So there are people kind of think like, how would you do that? Would you take like, um, would you take fertilized eggs with you, for instance? Like, I mean, it seems like crazy, but you'll find all sorts of geneticists who are working on, you know, kind of proofing our body for space. So we're radiation resistant or can roll out our skin to, to like make sort of real life solar panels out of skin, like green skin, like we're almost like chlorohumans or, or plants um, absorbing energy like that. So there are people actually doing that. And, you know, they work with serious institutions, universities, NASA, you know, ESA. Um, so that's fascinating to me. I think that's more fascinating than stuff that I've already seen in the media. I just, I try to make things a bit surprising. I like, I like going to the movies to be surprised, not to see things I already know. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a hedonist in that way. The perspective of the film kind of evolves between the beginning and the end. At the beginning of the film, you have a futurist Marshall Savage saying that it's imperative that we get off the Earth because the Earth is going to be ruined by climate change or whatever. Uh, but by the end of the film, I had the sense that uh, you're saying we should be making the most of the planet that we have. Uh, is that the big takeaway? And did that takeaway evolve in the making of the film? Yes and no to the second part. So, so yes, it definitely is is the takeaway in many ways. So, first of all, of course, like we look at all the kind of incredible science that's going on and the Mars simulation, the Negev Desert, all of those uh, unbelievable things that are actually going on now. So, I think that's there's a genuine sense of wonder in me at seeing those things, and I'm not against exploring space. Don't misunderstand me. I think it's great, and it's in us humans to want to explore. Um, however, I'm a bit weary of kind of colonizing. I think colonizing is a bit of a bad word in the first place. I'm not sure anybody or anything should be colonized. And then the idea of being like a locust of humanity moving on to next planet, the next planet because we've just used up Earth, which is actually a system that's an organism that kind of lives and 
um, rejuvenates itself. You know, if you if you back off and let it do that, it'll do that. So I think that's very much uh, something I, I believe in. So, um, but like, I, I still think like, you know, we, we should give people a voice who think the opposite. I, I think like if, if there's someone like Marshall, uh, who's got legitimate views, if he, if he, that's what he thinks, um, I think that's legitimate. But I politely disagree with some of these views. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And to the second part of the question, that, that was from the very beginning, the core idea of the film. I said this to my dad and he said, well, yeah, that's, that's great. That's a, that's a great idea. So yes. Right. Uh, Two of the people featured in Last Exit Space went through some pretty harrowing experiences. For example, retired astronaut Mike Fole was on Russia's Mir space station during a life-threatening crash, while Judith LaPierre experienced a famous case of international sexual harassment during a simulated space station mission in Russia. What led you to those people, and how do those stories fit into the tale that you're telling? Mike, of course, Mike Fole uh is is one of the most knowledgeable people who have just seen everything firsthand i mean he was the commander of the iss and as you mentioned he was on mir during that fateful uh, crash so like a, a service module crashed into mir and tore a rupture into the into the space station they lost power they lost oxygen they were tumbling through space um so he really knows what being out there in space means and I think that's important for us to understand because we watch so much science fiction and we think like, ooh, you know, the world of Star Wars, you know, a couple of generations from now, that's going to happen. Well, if you look at the realities and how hostile the place is, I don't think so. It's not that simple. Um, you might be able to send someone a little cubicle uh, to some very close uh, celestial body and then they might survive for a little but um, you know, doing proper putting a city somewhere—that's an entire different uh, different ball game. With respect to Judith Lapierre, um, who was locked up in a metal barrel in Moscow for for I don't know exactly how many days, but it like, was supposed to be 110 days, I think. 110, 110 days, and I think she went the full the full tenure. Um, I thought that was an important story because it tells us something about the kind of psychology of it all, like if you were going to travel for a long time and even getting to Mars is like long. I mean, that that would be like a maybe return. It's like two years or something. I don't know exactly, but going out further and further, if you were literally going to some much further place, you'd, you'd be traveling your whole life. What would that do to you psychologically? And even those 110 days turn out to be an absolute nightmare. I mean, absolute nightmare. There were fights where there's like blood on the wall, people were fighting. She was sexually harassed in a very extreme way. People just pretended from the agencies, pretended that it hadn't happened really, or they well, it wasn't quite, they did, but they tried to kind of gloss over it in a way. So absolutely horrendous experience, which is um, never really, it's kind of the first time she really gives the details in that film, in our film. So I think it's important to think, it's like, would we go mad on the trip? I mean, even if we if we proofed our bodies in a way and had some kind of crazy radiation shield and whatever, and we had some way to grow food, like wouldn't we just wouldn't our minds be the obstacle to to like longer space travel? And that's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So the space program is now going through a crisis because of the fallout from the war in Ukraine. Are there lessons for dealing with this sort of crisis that NASA or the Russian Space Agency or humanity can draw from last exit space? Well, I think... Um you know, if, if any such venture going going out very far, it's such a big thing. It won't work if it's not a collaboration by all of humanity. But, you know, we've got to agree on stuff first amongst ourselves, obviously. So, um, yeah, I think uh, with many of my films, it's sort of, you know, some of it's about the kind of grand schemes of humanity, but also the follies. I, I don't think you can you can juxtapose what's happening now with with the film because I think this is something different. But you know, it will have to be a major collaboration, and you know, we have to save ourselves first before we can even think of anything like this, and and save our planet, and kind of obviously not bash our heads in. So I I, I would hope that this might be a step back that we're experiencing now, but that. History just doesn't move in a straight line. You know, sometimes we have to go back to then go to two steps forward. So that's my hope in all this. That somehow right. I'm somehow always an optimist, but against my better judgment in some ways. Well, I think that the idea of a planetary perspective, if you can take a step back and as the Apollo astronauts did, saw the whole Earth as one small moat in the universe, uh, I think that that, probably helps put things in more of a cosmic perspective. I, I hope that's the case. I agree. I mean, people have to realize that we are on a spaceship. I mean, this is a spaceship in a way. Uh, and it's a, it's a very well-equipped spaceship. It has many features that are or full of great features, actually. But that's what it is. So, like, we shouldn't mess with it too much um, because that's all we have and probably all we'll ever have. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of talk about how much people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are spending on their space efforts and whether that money would be better spent on other causes. After making this movie, do you have a perspective on that whole debate? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it hasn't changed so much. I, I still think that um, some of these projects are a bit ill-advised. And I think, um, of course, like we have no say in it because it's kind of their money. Um, but yeah, I would I would feel happier if it were used to 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 you know just look after our planet because we are environmentally uh, not even talking about us bashing our heads in, but like environmentally in a in a time crisis and money, I guess would help <laughs> for many of these things. Now Elon Musk, to to his credit, of course is pushing uh, electrification or the electric vehicles and so on. And he's been pushing that even though the company wasn't originally his, but he's made it big. So so I'm not per se against him, but I just think that this particular thing is is not, I don't feel comfortable with. And uh, I'd, I'd rather if the resources were used for something else at this point, maybe in some future, some like when we've got the luxury, but like, I think we've got to clean up our act first on earth before we venture out to Mars or anywhere beyond. Do you feel as if this movie says everything that you want to say about humanity's future in space, or are there other angles that you might find interesting for a follow-up film? Uh, uh, yeah, this says everything. I don't think there's a follow-up from my side. I think um, 
I think I put everything there and it's out there for people to judge if they agree or don't agree. Um, I don't usually backtrack and do kind of variations or things that I've done before. Like everything's always different and my curiosity will lead me elsewhere. That's I just know myself in that respect. So, so yeah, it's all in there and uh, every frame of anything quirky, interesting, fascinating I found is in the film. So I'm not withholding anything from the viewers. What is capturing your curiosity now? What's the next project? What do you want to explore in your next film? Well, I've I've got some things lined up. Unfortunately, I'm not really I can't really talk about them. But one thing that uh, I think just at some point I think would like to uh, explore a bit is the um, I, I wrote a book uh, uh, goes to Berlin uh, some some a while ago. Um, it's out with Melville House in the United States, and it's short stories about, about the ghosts of Berlin and the sort of modern-day hipsters confronted with them and the dark past of, of the city. Um, and um, I've so far turned all of my books that I've written also into, into films. And uh, this one's the only one where I'm thinking, mm, yeah, I think this, this, this would be intriguing to, to, to turn that into something. Um, so that's that's one of the things that might be on the cards. But, you know, there's things that are more immediate. Uh, but unfortunately, I can't comment on any of those. <laughs> Anytime anybody does anything about space, uh, one of the first questions that's usually asked is, would you go to space if you had the chance? So how, how do you answer that question? Uh, with a uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't at all. I'm just really not not up for it. Um, I, I, yeah, I, some things I wouldn't do. It's like I, I think diving would be more interesting, like diving and like reef diving or something. But even that, I don't do. I'm not so. Uh, I sort of like. Um, I'd rather keep on just doing films and writing books and stuff. So that's enough thrill for me. Um, I think this is just a bit tad too much for me, for my taste. Well, I loved uh, Last Exit Space and and what it says about our home planet. And as you said, that's the big message is it's not out there. It's in here. And so I'll look forward to your next project and, and look forward to you exploring new frontiers here on Earth. Thank you so much, Rudolf. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Check out my blog item on CosmicLog.com for more about Space Settlement, Rudolf Herzog, and Last Exit Space, which is streaming exclusively on Discovery+. Plus. You'll also find information about other space documentaries that are coming out on streaming video. Thanks to Discovery+, Plus and to Falco, Inc. for arranging the interview, and thanks to James Emley for his rendition of the Fiction Science theme music, composed by yours truly, Please subscribe to our Fiction Science Podcast and feel free to give us a stellar rating on your favorite podcast channel. And so, until next time, this is Alan Boyle advising you to watch the skies.